Hey, big boy. What's going on, player? <laughs> That's how I'm often greeted, you know, yeah. by since since seventh grade. You know, they're like, what's going on, player? Well, Just, I think that I think the issue was they got one look at you and kind of your prowess on the pine, as it were, and they couldn't they couldn't deny that you were indeed a player. A basketball a, player, that is. Yeah, they're like, you know, you've got that perfect build, you know, like tall. And you know you're made of bones, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> impossible to guard. He's too pointy, this kid. Yeah, he's got lots of points. Um, there's his BMI is negative. Um, no longer, sadly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm more of a fatherly boy. Not like I'm not like a you know I'm not carrying around pregnancy weight or anything, but I'm for sure not as pointy. I think that that's the kind of the, the, the bell curve of humanity. You start out pretty squishy and then you end up pretty pointy and then you end up squishy again. Then you end up pointy again. You return as you were. Yeah. It's kind um, of a, a fun little sine wave. But you know what? The real wave I want to ride. I want to ride that? the wave of weird wrestlers. Are you ready to ride the wave again with me today on wrestling wiki? I'm ready to ride the wave. And I'm also ready to put you in the Segway hall of fame for that beautiful transition. Hey, I mean, it's, I am what I am. So <laughs> play on player. So a uh, couple things are ready to go. Um, yeah. First things first, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be presenting our jobber of the week this week, and you'll be presenting our main eventer. Ding, ding. Um, something that has occurred to me as I've gone through this, our jobber of the week is really going to have to adapt to like maybe include gimmick of the week or something. Cause I don't, I'm not sure if there's going to be enough people that mean you are going to feel confident enough of saying like, we're truly jobbers for a duration. Mm. I'm, I'm finding it harder and harder now. Granted, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm finding new, new discoveries every day where I think like, Oh, surely there can't be any. Nope. Wrong. I mean, I think, wrong. I think, I think what you were, I think what you're saying, if I may, is that, that while finding jobbers is easy and there's a new jobber born every day, Finding Correct. people that fit this same kind of mold that we started with that were kind of lifetime jobbers who had a lot of fun stories and or were in the business for a long time. That's not going to happen. I think it's that, difficult. Yeah, it's not going to keep on happening the same. Lightning cannot keep on striking over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, insert lightning effect here. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Hopefully, if uh, things work out, you know, maybe after episode 10. You know, we'll start to transition into having some, you know, whatever it could be. It could be champ of the week, gimmick of the week. You know, it could legend of the week. I mean, we've right. been we've been getting some feedback after this went live. By the way, this is the first episode we're recording after we we went live with the podcast, and some of the feedback has been great. And and some of it is just like people want to hear about they want to hear takes on people that necessarily weren't like the most notable jobber and or were the jobber of all jobbers that we've avoided uh, in the first couple episodes. So like maybe there's a, a world for that. Maybe a little, just gotta, we gotta dangle the carrot out there. So yeah. without further ado, I'm going to get, I'm just going to get in this quickly and it's yeah. going to be you baby. Yeah, please. Uh, we are going to be talking about the legendary jobbers, the Mulkey brothers. Jobber of the week. The Mulkey brothers. All right. They were big mainstays in the late seventies and eighties, especially NWA stuff. Okay. All right. And long wrestling career, 
but they were true jobbers. And I'm just going to read you a little blip. Uh, they have a nice look. Okay. Um, classic kind of bleach blonde hair. Um, I'm going to spell that for anybody who might be want to Google. Uh, yeah. Uh, for those who are, you know, typing feverishly at home, uh, Mulkey, M-U-L-K-E-Y, seems like it's dabbling with Macaulay Culkin, but not uh-huh. quite. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, just like they've got the classic <laughs> 80s wrestling look. Oh, like, man. I just pulled up a picture. <laughs> <laughs> they just got like trunks and like, uh, what would you call it? Like, just like a, well, they had call those- a jacket. They had yeah, so the jackets are those kind of like a windbreaker, but no yeah. windbreaker. But they also have like, and I'm not slam dunking on them because obviously, you know, uh being in shape is tough, as we literally just said. But the pictures I'm seeing of like this, there's a really great promo. It looks like they cut at the world championship wrestling like um desk, you know, very NWA style. And they're just like in jeans, they have kind of guts, they look like old, <laughs> kind of tired dudes. Hey. <laughs> And they're probably in their like thirties in that picture. Hey, you know, it's tough. Yeah. All right, but it, there's sorry. other ones. They look great. You know, yeah, and they, it's, they look uh, better in some of them. Yeah, it's fair. Man, these, uh, these classic eighties trunks yes. are revealing this picture. I'm looking at, I'm seeing all the mulky one can handle <laughs> getting them, right? getting a bucket full of mulky. Also, it's funny though, cause they're, they're revealing and they're also not, it's like, they're kind of high-waisted. Yeah. Um, so like they, I, they cover, they, they're like control top, but they, they, they do not leave a lot to the imagination. You know what I want to say? What's that? If I saw them in person. Yeah. Because brothers need to tell each other this more. Hey, yeah. man. Nice hog. <laughs> nice hog. Good looking hog, pal. You know, you got a lot. Nice hog, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> Here at Wrestling Wiki, we take the very, the very disruptive, but very strong stance that you should, you should, uh, you compliment should compliment your... a fellow, fellow man's hog. <laughs> All right. Make his day. You know, keep moving. Yeah. There's a lot of hog shaming out there. We don't stand for it. <laughs> We're trying to disrupt that culture here. This is a very Wiki. hog inclusive culture here at Wrestling Wiki. <laughs> and with that out of the way, let's talk about the Mulkey Brothers. Let's. So I'm just going to read this. I think it's just, it, it sums it up way better than I could. Mm-hmm. Throughout wrestling history, there have been plenty of jobbers who have put over some of wrestling's greatest names in the business. Most of these jobbers are no names who usually are around for a short period of time and have been forgotten with time. On the other hand, some have become somewhat celebrities. Jamie Noble, Santino Morella. You know, remember the snake mm-hmm. on his little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he, did, uh, he did the little snake puppet. Yeah. Yeah. Chavo Guerrero. Yeah. Lots of people. Um, but I, this uh, writer says, but I would like to mention who I feel are the greatest jobbers of all time. Mm. In the 80s, there were a, a ton of great tag teams. We had teams like the Road Warriors, Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, Fabulous Freebirds, and the list goes on. The one thing that these tag teams had in common was the fact that at one time or another, they had to step in the ring with the worst tag team ever, the Mulkey Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to redact that. Uh Redacted. Yeah. One of the best enhancement teams ever. See, we're trying to change the culture here. Why, why do they have to be a terrible tactic? They did the job. They did we the need job. them. Actually, you nope. could argue that putting over talent and like all the great people they put over, they're it's, doing the best, the most important job. Right. That's right. Right. Anyways, the Mulkey brothers consisted of real life brothers, Bill and Randy. Mm-hmm. They would get clobbered every time they stepped into a wrestling ring. It started getting so bad that their win-loss record was showcased every week when they wrestled. Mm-hmm. It reached zero and 180. That's unbelievable. 
before they had a classic match with a team called the Gladiators, which consisted of George South and Gary Royal. Wow. I remember the hype of this team and promotion videos aired every week for about a month. Then it came down to their much-anticipated debut, a qualifying match for the second annual Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Tag Team Tournament. Subtle. Right. <laughs> Pitting right. the heavily favored gladiators against right. the Mulkey Brothers. Everyone thought that the Mulkey Brothers had no shot at the victory, but then the impossible happened. The Mulkies won. I oh. couldn't believe it when I watched it on TV. After years of getting the beat, the Mulkies actually won a match and qualified for the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Tag Tournament. Afterwards, Mulkey Mania was born. I'm seeing these shirts, Mulkey Mania. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, the Mulkey Brothers lost in the first round to Denny Brown and Chris Champion. Uh, The article says, I'm not sure what happened to the Mulkey Brothers after that, but I do know that they resurfaced in 07 for NWA Legends of Wrestling Tour, where they were once again, once again, tasted the sweet taste of victory in a match against George South Jr. and George South Sr. And... Suffice to say, that's all you really need to know about the Mulkies. In the NWA, they at one point lost 180 matches in a row. Unbelievable. And I've got to imagine that took place over the course of a couple of years. It's, one would surmise. They're, they're like the Washington Generals of wrestling. Like, like nobody, that, like their entire parallel. job was just to lose and then I think the Washington Generals, like the whole thing is like maybe one day, maybe one, one, one day they'll, they'll finally win. And yeah. that what they are? The, not the, not the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds right. That sounds right for the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, that's, if, 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 if I mess that up, then please, listener, what I'm trying to talk about is the, the goof troop that the, uh, that the Globetrotters. See, this, this last writer had a little, little, I don't know, a little hate in his heart. All right. Okay. All right. This other article talks about like, the Mulkies were so respected that top teams such as the Road Warriors often shared some of their winnings from a match with the Brothers in Purple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said they didn't want to go against anybody on TV but me and Randy. They took their TV money and gave it to us as a bonus, said Bill. Hmm. Boogie Woogie. <laughs> 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 he wrote in his book all about the boys in the back and used to argue that and fight over who was going to go against us, but we enjoyed it. That's awesome. They were in the decade. They wrestled for three decades in the wrestling business. Uh, now they were, uh, talked about, this is not too long ago. One of them's worked for FedEx for six years mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's good stuff, man. I'm all about it. It good seems like them. they really just embraced the, the kind of role. Um, and if I was silent for a second, there is because I found their fan page on, uh, in, on Facebook. Yeah. I was scrolling through. It's, while it's I was, fair. There's good while stuff was, in there. Well, kind of, yeah. There's a, there's a couple of <laughs> questionable things they've posted recently. But uh, it's pretty wholesome. Like, there's a lot of really great pictures of the boys. There's some interviews that I want to listen to. Um, uh, but yeah, it seems like they had enough people. I mean, obviously, there's not a whole lot of people on this page, but uh, they had enough. <laughs> Here's the, my favorite is this poll. Can I, can I, can I, can I read you the options? By all means, by all means. So um, just this is what I wanted. I was trying to scroll down to get to this. So I'm looking at this and maybe 60 people have taken this, this poll. It's pretty uh, good. The, the poll I'll, ta- I'll is... take that many people listening to this podcast, please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This like 60 people have answered this poll and it's, what would you call There's no, there's no, like, there's no um, title to the poll, but I'm, I'm assuming it's, what would you refer to the, the monkey brothers as? 
And the, or, the answer is in order of popularity from least popular to most popular are never heard of them. One vote. They lost a lot, but good boys. Two votes. <laughs> but good boys. <laughs> but, but, but good boys. Um, ahead of their time, three votes. Superstars, eight votes. The most influential team in wrestling history, eight votes. The winner with 36 votes. That's like four times the share. Living legends. They ain't wrong. They ain't wrong. They ain't wrong. I got one final quote. Let's get us out of here and get on to our main event. Please. Bill Apter, uh, who's a wrestling journalist, journalist, once wrote, I'm only sure of three things in life. Death, taxes, and the Mulkies losing on a weekly basis. <laughs> so what you've done here, uh, what you've done here is you've you've set up the fact that there's a chance we may have to do other features besides Jabber of the Week because the legends are getting fewer to find. And then you introduce the literal grandfathers of jobbing, the, the living legends, the most the influential goat. tag team of all time. <laughs> the GOAT. That's 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 tough to follow as far as drivers are concerned. Um, I had never heard of these guys. This is all either. Is brand new to me. I I am, yeah. I'm ready for our main eventer, but I'm also I, the amount of just bizarro wrestling knowledge that we will wield. Yeah. As this podcast continues, is, uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping on our hundredth episode, let's promise each other we'll find some sort of like live wrestling trivia quiz and go compete and just see how we do. See what this. Maybe see what let's this get is. to fifty. Let's get to fifty. Let's 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 shoot a little lower. Okay, fair enough. Okay, and uh, you know, I mean, look, that would be a year. I mean, think about it. think about think about the the ecstasy of like the final question, a tiebreaker for first place, being like, name the enhancement talent that lost a hundred and however many <laughs> eighty matches in a row. Wow. <laughs> My whole life, we slumdog millionaire our way into this, into this like twenty bar bucks or whatever the hell it would be. It, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's all you know. We just want our wives to be proud. So that's true. Nothing, <laughs> nothing could bring our families more more honor, more honor. Oh uh, God. Well, yeah, I'm ready to be honored. I'm ready to be pleasured. Yeah. <laughs> let me um, let touch me, my ears. <laughs> let me smooth out that wrinkly brain of yours with this week's. <laughs> main eventer wow let me smooth that i'm sending Uh, you a picture what a great what a great friend (laughs) Uh, and i want you to pop that open okay say hello to our new friend lewis mcculio jr or it's m-u-c-c I-O-L-O. There's a lot of vowels and a couple consonants in there. I think Maculio. Uh, and he is best known as um, Luis Piccoli uh, in the... Uh, well, we'll get to that. I think he was when he was in WCW uh, and Rad Radford in ECW. Um, but he, I think he got most of his traction as Luis Piccoli. Um, go ahead and describe the man that you see in I front mean, of he, Okay. Well, he's, he sounds rad. Yeah, um, but, to be clear yes all right here's my boy yeah. wow uh i can tell there's probably not a lot of information on this man because the size of this picture is very small yeah that's, um, a, that's a pixelated image sorry about that um it's okay uh so <laughs> this guy what's the vibe uh he looks like he's wearing it's a it's hard to tell it looks like it's supposed to be kind of like a a greasy worker kind of shirt you know like 
yeah. semi-auto mechanic-y kind yeah. of thing. Uh, definitely, but he has no issue with buttons. All right, he's yeah. pretty allergic to those from the sternum up. Uh, he's got a real kind of greasy new metal look to him. Yes, I think I think you're on the right track. I'm I'm sending a second image to show you the duality of Luis Bacoli. Don't don't you can't say that word around me. I am so duality and Slipknot right now. Oh. I, I, <laughs> it'll take any anything to make me pop. So we can't. You got to be careful around Chris these days. He just listener. He just uh, he just discovered <laughs> so, or rediscovered Slipknot and things got really weird and they they continue to be really it, weird. Yeah, it's, I'm not happy about it. Um, so I'd, see I'd see the change. See he the looks, change. Okay, so in this other one, he looks a. I think he's just got a look of the working man. Okay, yeah, kind of grungy. Like a, yeah, grungy. Um, Grungy's the word. I he's think got like a cut off be. flannel. Mm-hmm. You know, the other looks like you know his gimmick was a little more blue collar. Yeah, and uh, I like that. Like the background they were using at the time looks very like uh, you know high school photos. Yeah, it looks like an Olin Mills uh, portrait. It's like a weird like like washed denim background. Now, so, to be fair, those that background cost more when I was a kid versus like what I was getting. You know, that's a very fair point. That was like the prestige the up, package. The upgrade. <laughs> you get the wallet size for free thrown in because you you pop for the prestige package. Right. Right. So the man you're looking at. Um. It, it, so you you hit all the right notes. I think that part of this is like, can this main eventer make you believe? Wrestling is a is a work, and like you have to make people believe in what you're doing. Uh, and so he wore a flannel shirt off him and he looked a little bit like Chris Farley, uh, uh, like a young Chris Farley to me, um, kind of a doughier guy, but, but big, you know, um, someone, something I'm familiar with. And, um, <laughs> he, uh, he wrestled as many, many gimmicks. So Louis McCauley, Louis McCauley Jr. Or I'll just refer to him as, uh, Spicoli or as, as, uh, uh, Louis Piccoli, because that's kind of how he, he seemed to have, it's kind of like a, a, um, a, uh, Brody, um, Brody Lee situation where like it was it once his ring name and then it be, kind of became his name name. So I think Louis Piccoli was kind of like his name, uh, after all. So, um, he was born in 71 in LA and, uh, he wrestled. <laughs> Let me read you the, the ring names. Are you ready for this man's I'm, ring I'm, name? I'm ready. This is Bastion Booger level, um, like ring name uh, stuff. I just, I just pulled up his ring name, so unbelievable. I'm ready. He was the body snatcher. He was cutie pie. He was the killer <laughs> blonde. He was Louis Piccoli, of course. He wrestled as Madonna's boyfriend. <laughs> Not like my name is Ray, Madonna's boyfriend. Just he, his whole identity was Madonna's boyfriend. He was Mercenario number three. Uh, he was Rad Radford, and he was the Zodiac. And so, for my money, it doesn't get more varied. Sometimes people will wrestle a hundred different versions of the same gimmick, but you don't become Cutie Pie and the Zodiac and the Body Snatcher and Madonna's boyfriend without having some range. No, and um, you know we were talking. We we just mentioned Slipknot earlier. Mm-hmm. I feel like this guy looks like he could play in Slipknot. Like a couple of his gimmicks would just lend really well to being on stage. He'd be a good knot boy. Continue. <laughs> Save me for myself. A knot boy. <laughs> Jesus. So um, this this man, you know, his 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 Wikipedia is is pretty short because um, and and the amount of information on him is pretty slim because. Unfortunately, he died a pretty a notably untimely death. He was, in fact, I think the reason why I found him in the first place was because he was on a list 
um, that was cross-referenced somewhere of kind of untimely wrestling deaths. In fact, Uncle Dave featured him in his book. Um, what was it called? It was like remembering wrestling wrestlers who died too soon. There was like two two issues of it where he basically like wrote a book about people who died too soon in wrestling. Um, anyway, so uh, he was born in in uh, seventy one. Uh, he performed in Mexico under the name Madonna's boyfriend for WWF. To be as clear, Rad Radford. He, he died at twenty seven. He died at twenty seven. Yeah, he died. And like the, the, so, the comparisons to him and um, and Chris Farley are, are more apt, maybe even than I thought in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, so uh, at the age of 17, he began training. He began training with Big Bill Anderson after the two met at a wrestling show uh, at the L.A. Memorial uh, Arena. He debuted in 88, uh, aged 17. So I guess that same year, working as a jobber for the WWF using the ring, ring name Luis Bacoli. Now, I think um, remind me and I haven't watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High in a long time, um, but was it was he was he just basically taking the identity of Sean Penn's? character Spicoli. i'm the wrong person to ask i am not a do me a favor I'll pull up the imdb and see if i'm right uh, okay long, okay long uh and would continue because the whole idea was like he was like a slacker or whatever uh and he would continue to use his name in squash matches until 95 so this wikipedia writer specifically called him a jobber and then said he only worked squash matches which is pretty rough uh you're right you are correct I'm correct. They don't mention that in this Wikipedia. So um, here's the hot goss uh, listener. I think I may have cracked it. I think he may have, <laughs> he may have named himself Louis Piccoli uh, as a reference to the notable slacker in that movie. Um, That's pretty so, rad though. At 17, he's in the WWF. That's amazing. Right. Uh, right. For sure. And like, but, but, but big, but uh, he was just getting squashed exclusively. But uh, imagine it, you're in high school. That's a fair point. Yeah. He's in high. I'm sure he's probably maybe still in high school. I don't think he I, he doesn't strike me based on this as somebody who probably stayed in high school. I think he decided this is what he was going to maybe do. Maybe I'd like to dream he is. Yeah. And he's like, yo, what's up, girl? <laughs> yeah. Look, I got squashed last week, but like I'm wrestling for the WWF. How cool would you feel? Oof. Like, uh, I feel like it's one of those things like we're back in like the 30s. Being a professional football player was a joke because like no one cared. I wonder if in 88 if like even though wrestling was really popular in some places and to a lot of people i wonder if like your average high school girl was like hell yeah get out there and do it louis i don't, I don't know, know. Maybe. well it only takes one it only, right. it's a it's a fair point and what and it doesn't seem like he was ever married um so so maybe maybe it didn't work too well maybe the ladies called him cutie pie maybe that's why he adopted the name oh it uh, that's actually a fun a fun part. Let, let's get there together. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, so his occasional appearances saw him lose to many of WWF's top stars. Go figure. Jobber jobs out, puts over all his big guys. Though he did register two victories in the year of '93, defeating the White Knight, who was his <laughs> trainer Bill Anderson. Big and Bill. That, that is not a clickable link, and I wish it was. Um, and the Lightning Kid, who I found out was Sean Waltman, uh, or One Two Three Kid, or X Pac. Uh, so apparently he wrestled as Lightning Kid, which I didn't know. And he was one of two losses, or one of two wins, for our friend Louis uh, in '93. It's amazing. Uh, they they mentioned his wins uh, as like one per year, basically, because he has two wins in '93, which I think are his only two wins. And then he in that year, or or to that point, the only two wins. And then he picked up a victory in '95 over Greg Davis. Uh, his last appearance before being quote repackaged. 
So I so by my tally, he won three matches in um, six seven years, <laughs> which is which is rough. I mean, um, that those are it's titan. not. <laughs> Looks sounds like a titan compared to the Mulkey brothers, yeah, he's right? A, he's a, guys he's, in Adonis. He's three hundred percent more efficient than the Mulkey brothers. Yeah. So uh, in eighty nine. Um, Oh, sorry. So I guess I guess this this overlaps a little bit because um, we're kind of simultaneously. I think he was working in other um, areas while he was um, occasionally doing WWF stuff. So and I like to think that he's always in high school. Yeah. So just envision, <laughs> envision this, this boy constantly. And he's in got high like an IROC Camaro. <laughs> and he's like, but sorry, I got to go to Tijuana. Uh, so he. So yeah. So th- so that that first blurb covered eighty eight to ninety five. But it seems like interstitially he was in other territories. So in 89, he went to Tijuana with Tim Patterson and his trainer, Bill Anderson. By the way, Bill Anderson comes up a ton in this. He's always with Bill. And it seems like Bill either had a lot of faith in him or there was a weird codependency there. But it seems like he and Bill really were thick as thieves. Um, And so he, Tim, and Bill formed a stable known as Los Mercenarios Americanos, or the American Mercenaries. They were a trio of masked villains who feuded with Los Villanos, (laughs) the villains. And the, it's, it has here, and I'm, I don't think it's a mistake, it has the Los Villanos listed as Villano Uno, Villano Tres, Villano Cuatro, and Villano Cinco. So one, three, four, and five. What so happened somehow, to Villano Two? I want to know what happened to Villano Number Two. He's never uh, spoke of. And each of these are clickable links. Like it, it, there, You can find out who each of these Villanos were, but it does not mention Villano Number Two. I believe you're asking questions that need not be answered. Will you should be <laughs> snooping around? Hold on, not, about hold on, there's, a, there's a knock at the door, and I see I hear a helicopter. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, so the mercenarios were forced to unmask in '91, and then they were disbanded in '92. So that shame. was a brief stint. Real shame. Yeah, it seemed like they and and, and when and they pulled was, it off, we're like, oh, gringos. <laughs> oh, no, we well, I mean, they were called the the American, American mercenaries. mercenaries. Yeah, makes sense. But um, it, it seems like this is a theme with a lot of these guys. It seems like he you know, had some success. Like it wasn't like he was, you know, just doing nothing. Um, he worked the independent circuit, uh, appearing with Herb Abrams, Universal Wrestling Federation, which is an episode all by itself. I'm not sure how much you know about the UWF, but um, I watched one of those. I think it was a wrestling with regret um, video about it. It was one of the more fascinating stories I've ever heard. That was where he wrestled as cutie pie. And just okay. as a as an aside, Herb Abrams, um, and I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but he was this like he got a bunch of money together. He was kind of like the the prototypical kind of like lots of money, no idea what he's doing, wants to make wrestling happen, fails pretty spectacularly. What we hope to be. Yes, exactly. One day we'll have way too much money and no <laughs> sense, and we will do a bad yes. job putting wrestling together. Like all the greats, like all the greats. And though Herb Abrams is notable. And if you want to click on his link, you can find it there. He was notable for having died of a heart attack while literally covered in lube and cocaine being chased around by prostitutes in his hotel room. Um, a wow. death, a death befitting a death, a death befitting a king, a king, an actual <laughs> king. So he wrestled as cutie pie for Herb Abrams UWF. So you can kind of get a sense of like what he was up to with, with herb uh he traveled to arizona in 91 where he won the interwest wrestling federation heavyweight championships the iwf heavyweight championship as the zodiac um after several appearances in wwf as enhancement talent in 92 
He returned to Mexico as the killer blonde mm. and made several appearances uh, for frontier martial arts wrestling in Japan. So he's been in three different continents uh, at this point, you know, or three different countries, at least in two different continents, uh, all in the name of jobbing. I mean, he just he never says he was actually doing anything important. there. I mean, I mean he won some titles in there, you know? Yeah, it's true. Uh, but here's the fun part. So he was working for frontier martial arts in Japan before getting fired by Atsushi Onita who is, you know, a very notable, if I'm, if, I, if this is who I think it is. Yeah. Um, he's a pretty important, pretty important guy for throwing a bottle of urine out of a bus window. <laughs> so he, he goes all the way across the actual planet and gets fired for some middle school shit, getting throwing pee out of a window. I mean, if I'll be, I mean, look, I've lost count of how many times I've thrown pee out the window, you know, just <laughs> hardly seems like a fireable offense. <laughs> Are we, are we going to bat for for the late Luis Piccoli for his yeah yeah look it was just uh he's a young man yeah he was just trying to have some silly fun yeah all right and like uh you know listen you if you're a just stranger, made him job out you if know? you're a stranger in the strange land you got to respect the customs and so he should have taken his jobbing ways off the mat and uh and respected the <laughs> his authority jobbing ways <laughs> don't be bringing your jobbing ways into our country. <laughs> In 94, he appeared briefly with Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which we know about, uh, feuding with Chris Candido for the United States Junior Heavyweight Championship. So he got some traction in Smoky Mountain. Um, <clears throat> he left shortly afterward and uh, joined AAA Wrestling. Okay. And that's, so in Mexico, and that's where he became Madonna's boyfriend, <laughs> which is <laughs> the mo most mystifying, like... <sighs> so it's not to dunk on a man's looks, but... He ain't uh, he ain't Madonna's boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, look, maybe he would. Look, she dated Rodzilla for a while, man. Like you know, she. That's a really good point. Wild, his rad ways would have appealed to her. That's a good point. Depends on kind of where he was at, but like the very idea that they were like, we got the perfect gimmick for you down here in Mexico. You're gonna be Madonna's dude, boyfriend. Madonna's boyfriend. Well, that here's the thing though, uh, and we can talk about that. I think it comes up, but uh, apparently it had it had something to do with the fact that they pretended he was Kurt Cobain. <laughs> So, so uh, one of Los Gringos Locos, so the crazy white boys, along with Eddie Guerrero and Conan. So he was an art bar. He was wrestling with all of these really great, um, really great wrestlers. Truly. I, I love that Eddie Guerrero was one of the Los crazy Gringos white Loco. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some questions. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it is a, uh, Stable originally consisted of Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar, but I guess he 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 joined later. Uh, I just clicked that link. We'll have to check that out later. I'm gonna open a new tab for that one. Uh, That's pretty and then, amazing. Uh, yeah, and Conan. Um, and so uh, he wrestled a six man tag team match at When Worlds Collide in November of '94, which, as of 2016, was the only pay per view that AAA has ever run in America. Can't say so. This kind of timestamps this this Wikipedia entry, but I don't know if that's still true. Um, but for some, but, but it was that exposure, the AAA pay-per-view that apparently got him a lot of traction, right? <clears throat> so that covers up until 95. Uh, and in April of 95, they repackaged him as Rad Radford, a fan of grunge and purportedly the boyfriend of Courtney Love. Okay, there you go. Sorry. That's where he became Kurt Cobain. So... <laughs> So he's both Madonna. I'm now and Courtney really Lowe's curious. Boyfriend. I need to find some pictures because now I'm starting to think this might just be the most handsome man 
the most handsome alt wrestling man, you know, uh, Chris he, prepare for disappointment. And he's the Gavin double. Rosdale of his time for wrestling. No, no sir. Uh, you're, you're, <laughs> you, you were going to see a particular, a perfectly acceptable looking, if not doughy man. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. Um, so yeah, but so at this point he has been both kayfabe Madonna and Courtney loves boyfriend. Uh, he worked an angle with the body Donna's, uh, despite, wanting to join their their group uh despite his comparatively poorly toned body it says whatever whatever and, and was eventually admitted as a body donna in training uh this lasted until survivor series when he was thrown out of the group because his physique was not good enough ouch um he achieved little success as radford rarely getting victories over uh, uh other name talent um in like 90- this is about the time his life starts to take a turn uh, yeah, I think he called it. It was, uh, and, and there's some information on that too, but it seems like 88 to 95 was like the crescendo, uh, with a couple of dips in there for throwing pee out of a window. Uh, and then he got repackaged as they often did with a shitty gimmick in a, and, and given a bunch of losing matches. And then he ended up not being able to make it, uh, in 96, he was found unconscious by a neighbor after overdosing on Soma. And suffering a seizure. And Soma is a, a, a drug that you don't hear about a lot. And it's I only knew about it from A Brave New World, um, the, the classic high school read, um, but apparently is a, a painkiller. Uh, he was in intensive care for several days before making a recovery. The WWF, still mindful of the controversy on, uh, of the steroid trials <clears throat> several years ago. Uh, released him on the condition that he wouldn't work for WCW. Um, so they released him amicably, it would seem, but but he had a non-compete, oh, but only with WCW. So he ended up in ECW. What um, you know, And at the time, what a great place for someone who's a recovering addict to probably be. Yeah, it's talk about like, like the, the, yeah, yep. It's the, it's the hole you don't want to fall into if you've got issues that are right at your heels. Uh, but he got work, which is important. Uh, so he struggled with depression before joining ECW um, as a face. He later turned heel and feuded with Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer, uh, and left the company on bad terms after Paul Heyman discovered he'd secretly been negotiating with WCW and WWF. Moreover, his continued drug abuse was seen as an embarrassment to the company, which I think is a, is a little bit of malarkey at the end there, uh, because uh, those who know about what was going on in ECW in the 90s, that's not necessarily an embarrassment to the company. Uh, maybe he was just getting sloppy with it. You know, maybe he was getting, that's, that's getting possible. Yeah. You got to show up to work. All right. Yep. That's true. Uh, Spicoli was a mainstay of the empire wrestling federation, which I'm not familiar with. Sounds like um, a cool star Wars promotion. It does. It has a very derivative logo though. If you click on the, um, on the picture, uh, apparently it's based in Coneva, California. It's owned and operated by Jesse Hernandez. Um, uh, guess who one of the other founders was. Who's that? Bill Anderson. Whoa. Okay. Bill. Oh yeah, sorry. It does. It does say. It does say that. It says. It says uh, he performed as a favor for his trainer Bill Anderson, who at the time was a co-owner of the company. Nice. Bill is. I I think the favor was for him more than Bill. I feel like. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like Bill's like, "Hey, listen, let's get this guy out of here. He's he's really or get him out of ECW. He's really having a hard time. Let's get him up here. Let's get him cleaned up. Put him on the put him on the mat." Um, so yeah, he, he, Bill's, Bill's putting him over at every turn, it seems. Uh, and he's in, he's in, uh, empire wrestling and then, uh, he signed the WCW the next year. So he came back and he joined the new world order immediately. 
Now, this is what I'm trying to understand. Is he, so it says, it says here in 97, he became the lackey of his new world order member, Scott Hall. Yeah. Was he a NWO member? Yes. So I, so I, 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 this is actually an important point that I want to clarify. I had the same thought. So was he like, just Scott Hall's like valet and backstage promos. But if you look up, um, uh, Luis Piccoli, uh, and there's a, there's a picture of him with the NWO. Uh, and he's just kind of behind Scott Hall. That's pretty awesome. So just, just for what it's worth, like, I think he was, I mean, you know, he wasn't like a big part of it, but he was like on the mat with well, them. He's got shirts that say outsiders on them. Yeah. And... Yep. You see him, you see him back there. He's kind of looking. And this looking... is in like 97. The, the height. Yeah. Like in this early, like, yeah. you, oh, man, that's pretty dope. Right. Like he, he, this guy, like there's a, there's a term that I kind of want to coin in these, in these kind of wrestling journeyman uh, features called um, Forrest Gumping, where you just can't help but be in the right place at the right time. Uh, Just kind of like he, he kind of threw away a lot of opportunities, but like was good enough and, and, and interesting enough to continue to get shots and he continued. I mean, he just happened to be a buddy with Scott Hall and happened to land in NWO and had a chance to like break out. Well, it seems well, like he, he was good on the mic. And yeah, because uh, there's like little smatterings in these articles about him, like doing stuff on commentary. Uh, yes. He yes. said something per- pretty regrettable on commentary that I'm sure you'll cover. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's wild, though, that he was in the NWO. Yeah, and him. not like not like the bad one at the end of in like you know two thousand, but like the good one. Um. So, but but I mean, here it's like it's like one step forward, two steps back with this guy. So he he joined the NWO, but at the same time decided to take a shot at Dreamer, which was totally unnecessary. So he called himself the real innovator, which apparently was meant to mock Tommy Dreamer, known as the innovator of violence. So immediately, kind of bad vibes. Uh, he later became commentating during matches uh, and impressed many with his wit, though he was admonished after making a joke concerning the Oklahoma City bombing, which was extremely recently after commentator Tony Schiavone referred to a forthcoming bombshell, I'm assuming, in relation to a match. So like poor, poor darts uh, and poor, poor control from our friend Luis Piccoli. Um, but again, he's teaming with the hottest talent at the time, arguably in a, a Scott Hall um, Hall and Spicoli seemed feuded with Larry Zabisco, uh, with uh, Spicoli stealing his golf club, bringing him to the ring, and breaking them all over his knee, while <laughs> Hall made sarcastic comments on the mic, which is I would pay a lot of money to see that. Uh, maybe it's on the network. Um, this resulted in a match between Spicoli and Zabisco being booked for Super Brawl number eight on February twenty second, eighty eight. However, the match never took place. His death occurred a week before the match. His last match, televised uh, or otherwise, I think, was on February 9th um, on an episode of Nitro where he lost to Chris Adams by disqualification. Um, his death, we'll talk about that briefly. Um, it turns out he had cleaned up uh, after his kind of, when he when he was found unconscious back, way back. Um, uh, and he had stopped taking drugs, uh, but apparently his mother was terminally ill with cancer. 
and it led to a relapse on Man, it's brutal. Uh, it's pretty brutal. Like he had, it was dealt a pretty rough hand it seems. And so he died at the age of 27 on the February 15th after overdosing on Soma and wine. So he was just, you know, pills and pills and liquor, which is a classic way to die. Don't do it. Hendrix, all um, get like choking yep. on their own vomit, dude. Yep. It's 27. He asphyxiated in his sleep. Um, that's the, that's the official cause of death. Uh, they also, this is, this is a bit of a swerve investigators. And I'm not sure why they included this, but investigators found an empty vial of male hormone testosterone, uh, which I guess is just steroids, but it's a weird way to put it. Uh, pain pills and anxiety reducing drugs at his house. So he was um, really kind of up against a lot and was doing a lot for it. And it ended up killing him. Um, they determined that drugs might have contributed to a heart condition, which was otherwise unmentioned. Um, his list of accomplishments. Uh, he was the AWF American wrestling federation heavyweight champion one time. He was the Interwest Wrestling Federation championship or champion one time as well. He was uh, number 165 of the PWI top 500 in 97. So right before he died, um, he was, you definitely know, decent. in the top 200. You can't beat that. He was he was definitely on a rise of some sort. And he could have gotten a push if he had stuck with his best bud, Scott Hall, for Christ's Sounds sake. Sounds like he could have just honestly had a career and like being on the mic. Yep. Is it what seems it sounds like. He, like. They, they found a spot for him. And it seems like if he had, if he had been a little more careful, he probably could have gotten yeah some traction there. Uh, he was inducted into the Southern California professional wrestling hall of fame in 2001. And uh, he was the WWA world trios championship champion three times with his buddy, Bill Anderson and Tim Patterson, which I guess is um, the governing body of the uh, empire wrestling federation as well, because that's where he teamed up there. Okay. I think so. Yeah, that's that's the life and times of Luis Piccoli, aka Body Snatcher, aka Cutie Pie, aka Madonna's <laughs> boyfriend. Um, you know, a somber story of, of a life lived very fully in a very short amount of time. Oh, also, the one thing I want to make sure I didn't uh, gloss over is that he claims to be uh, the inventor of the Death Valley Driver, which is a, a excellent wrestling move. Uh, and apparently, when he was in WCW, he would wear shirts that would clarify that he invented the Death. <laughs> <laughs> driver. that's very good which i would like to buy yeah um something i uh, saw so his his little faction he was in in mexico with los yes. gringos locos i yes. pulled up and just want to do i thought it was very much worth mentioning please so los gringos locos intended to mean the crazy americans in english mm-hmm. uh lucha libre style that work for triple a um so the gimmick was intended to be the Mexican version of the Four Horsemen Alliance from <laughs> uh, says WCW. I mean, I always think NWA first. Um, right. Uh, because Barr was an American and Guerrero was a Mexican American, they were able to draw heat from Mexican crowds as they acted more and more American. The team wore red, white, and blue wrestling attire. Awesome. That, that's pretty great. Yes. And then they add another American dude, Madonna's boyfriend to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and their their team is billed from the united states of america yeah and then yeah so it started as a duo became a faction the duo was originally known as the american machine um and then la pereja del terror but their name was changed to los gringos locos after the announcer said those gringos are loco <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh man oh that's good um, wonderful 
anything else uh, that's super important? I mean, it looks Eddie like Guerrero's in it. Yeah. I mean, how much cooler can it be? And later, uh, Conan. Like, yeah. that's amazing. Um, and I don't know much about Art Bar, but it seems like he had a pretty um, a fast and interesting life. Let's see here. Yeah, the Conan was the first to join the team. Uh, then Black Cat was second. The stable continued to grow, grow, including Madonna's boyfriend and Chicano Power and El Mysterioso. Um, bah, 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 bah. They had a hair versus mask match. You know, we need more of those. Yeah, that's um, a good point. And hey, listener, if your hair is thinning, okay, and it gets mm-hmm. to a point where it's like, it's time work a wrestling angle to get you to like do the shave. Yeah. I did it to a buddy and you know, it was the best way. It was like the best way to just like to tear off the bandaid is to work a hair versus whatever, you know, match into your life. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, I cut a promo on a buddy and I had a goon with me and we held him down and I, I shaved his head. All right. And it's now it, that was it. That was the last of his hair. That's the way to do it. All right. Um, you, you won't see that information on keeps or hymns or anything like that. You know, that's the information that they won't give you. Um, yeah. That's- also like, I want to, I want to be very clear that like the man telling you to let go of your hair gracefully, like me has a luscious full head of, of curly locks. We are, that's, that's we what are- you think. That's what you think. <laughs> Uh, it's still pretty good for now. Okay. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm fearful. Okay. Like I have a huge forehead and I feel like I'm seeing a little more of it every day. <laughs> it's just creeping. Well, I want to also say that like, I just, I want to commit to this art bar who's someone I know so little about has just on this extremely quick glance at his Wikipedia, maybe one of the more interesting people I've ever seen. Uh, and I just want to say that he wrestled as a, as Beetlejuice and the juicer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Very happy. Good. So he is someone who I intend to cover at some point, please. So he wrestled as Beetlejuice uh-huh. and then like, they're like, Hey, you can't do that. And so he made a gimmick <laughs> where he's literally just Beetlejuice. But he, if I recall, he's just called the juicer, the juicer. Um, there's even, <laughs> I'll pull up a promo real quick if I can share some sound here. Um, Art bar juicer promo. Yeah, and this I also want like every episode to just descend into a spiral of clicking Wikipedia links because that's the that's literally the point of the show. And like the fact that we ended up on a juicer promo is is just chef's kiss, beautiful work, Wikipedia work. Beetlejuice wrestler promo. I think this is the same guy, unless there are multiple people who are trying to wrestle as Beetlejuice. I will bet you any amount of money that's not the case. Except for there was that one frequent, like Howard Stern guest who had like a degenerative head disorder called Beetlejuice, who used to they used to parade him around in a very. Well, there was a way. yeah yeah I see I see that guy. There's a lot more he, information for him. Yeah, I think he got he he may have even been involved in wrestling if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, he more, was. Uh, yeah. Man, Beetlejuice wrestler Art Bar. Come on, buddy. I I've watched one of these promos and it's like he's just straight Beetlejuice. Um <laughs> it's just Beetlejuice. I've got oh, um I'm not finding I've got one. I'm gonna go ahead and pull it up. I've it's got not I've got it, right? I've got one here too. Yeah, we can we can 
it's not the one I'm looking for exactly. Okay, sure. Man. Um, There's a couple of televised matches too that are on YouTube. It looks like it looks like maybe he wasn't in full in full Beetlejuice mode, but it looks like he was wearing like a, his face paint and everything that he was wearing was very Beetlejuice, very very copyright infringement. Yeah, yeah. there was someone who wrestled in pure Beetlejuice, and I'll Got have it. to find it. Um, yeah, he's like uh, he's like the Kmart of Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think. <laughs> So here's one in this. I will, I'll leave you with this. Cause I feel like this is one of those things where you could literally go forever. Yeah. It's a good place um, to stop. Uh, this, so this, first of all, the YouTube channel that, uh, that hosts this video that says Roddy Piper saves Beetlejuice art bar is called testosterone overload. And the second comment on this video is <laughs> Matt Moore may be acting like he's tough, serious guy beating up a clown, but then he himself, would become doink the clown <laughs> so <laughs> apparently the video that i just attempted That's to watch amazing shows a man bullying a, a, a ghost clown who then ended up being doink the clown himself one of the many doinks that's really good oh that's boy. good stuff <laughs> yeah man well hey listen that's that's the that's what i got for the main eventer it was a short life i wish I genuinely wish that his Wikipedia had been longer and he'd lived a much longer, more fruitful life, but it seems he condensed all that life into 27 short years. Hey, we'll take what we can get. It's true. And, uh, you know, may he rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe he'll meet Beetlejuice on the other side. Golly. <laughs> yeah, yikes, sorry. You couldn't, re- you couldn't resist. You couldn't um, resist it. We're just talking about it. Sorry, buddy. Uh, maybe I think something tells me that Louis Piccoli would have, would have laughed at that joke based on his, uh, his history. I, I appreciate that. Well, hey, it's yeah. uh, it's been real. Yeah, and, man. Uh, yeah. Forward we go into, into the, the cosmos future. that is wrestling with. Yeah, we'll see you next time, and we'll have. Uh, I'll be doing a jobber and or a a, a gimmick of the week, and uh, Chris will be will be hitting you with that main eventer. All right, smell you later. Bye. <laughs>